Hello, my name is Flip Beckett and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly sponsored by Kia, the champion of independent cinema nationwide. On today's show, I speak with director Phyllis Nage and actor Elizabeth Banks about Call Jane. Based on the true story of the incredible group of women who organised safe but still illegal abortions for women prior to the 1973 Roe v Wade ruling that legalised determination, giving women control over their bodies and personal health. Mrs Griffin, your pregnancy is endangering your life. Mom! What's the treatment? To not be pregnant. That's the only option. We could ask the board for permission to perform an emergency termination. Is there a chance that she can survive the pregnancy? Maybe 50%? Resulting in the birth of a healthy child. I'm here. I'm I'm right here. I vote no, gentlemen. No. 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 This is Jane. How does it work? Welcome, Phyllis Nage and Elizabeth Banks to the Picture House podcast. Thanks for having us. First of all, I really want to say thank you so much for Call Jane. I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to take the punch in the face if it doesn't work. But it's the first time since the ruling that I've had a really good cry. Oh. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And I mean that in a good way, you know, because I think for me, the film articulated everything that needed to be said about a woman's right to govern her own body. And I hadn't, sometimes when you're so inundated with so much information, when you get just a really great story that just articulates how you feel, you know, and I just want to thank you both for that. Oh, thank you. That uh, We're so excited that that it inspired that in in you. And, And I agree, it really does sort of simplify everything into just a choice, just women having control over their own lives yeah exactly exactly that and um so Phyllis can you tell me where the journey began for you well I read this script I'm going to say over two years ago by now yeah and I was totally unfamiliar with the Jane Collective and immediately of course became obsessed with this story and in particular how we could craft a story about one woman and Elizabeth was attached. So there was a real thrill about knowing who that person <laughs> who you were was writing for you. And 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 how we could get her to where she needed to go in the film. Yeah. Over to you, Elizabeth. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was I was brought this script, I don't know, a few years ago. And I, you know, it's interesting when I read it, I thought that Joy's journey was like a coming of age story for somebody who's 40, right? (laughs) Instead of, you know, normally a coming of age happens when you're 18. This was about a woman who was, you know, sort of fighting for her sense of independence, a a, a purpose in her life, you know, who was sort of, I think, just going through motions and didn't quite understand the constraints under which she was living. And that this decision was this huge, brave, positive thing in her life that changed everything for her. We literally changed this sort of the ground she walked on. And I just loved that this, that we could tell a story like that for this person, but also make it about abortion healthcare for women, you know, and, and something that is actually so 
as, as I like to say, it's a, it's an intellectual exercise for the men who will never have to go through it. And it's an emotional foundational right for women that feels like has to be part of our core, you know, that we get to determine the course of our lives. And that really felt like is what was happening in Call Jane. It was just about someone who realized I could have control over the course of my life. And I, I just love that about Joy. It's what drew me to it. Absolutely. And, and, and you do play strong characters. And, and I love that about your work, Elizabeth that your characters are very much show me, don't tell me. You know, you're not very preachy. I feel you always em embody the change in the world that you'd like to see. And also it's very infused with joy. So can you tell me about your sort of personal ethos around, around your work? And what you bought to <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah, yeah. i know no, geez um Sorry, that, it's, it's a big question but it's i suppose i feel like it's a very big movie it's a very big subject yeah you know i i will say that i do have a standard when i think about my work which is you know i want it to entertain first i really came into this as an entertainer you know i i i moving people through the work, holding up a mirror, shining a light, however you want to phrase that, right? As an artist, as an actor, I take the, the storytelling, I, I, it's, a, it's a reverent act in my opinion. So I really respect it as a, as a virtuous life choice that I've made <laughs> on some level. But really it's about entertaining people because I personally think when you make people smile and remind them of their own life in some way that brings them a sense of joy and that you see them. I, I really want to say to the audience in most of my work, like I see you. I think that's really powerful for audience members. So I guess if I had a personal, what did you call it? An ethos? Is that what yeah. I think that's what it would be just to say to the audience like I see you and hopefully I'm representing something for you that you can uh, attach some emotion to let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. Yeah, and, and, and Phyllis, I also want to talk about just how classy this film is. As I'm <laughs> yeah, it is um, very, very classy. Phyllis person. has great <laughs> taste. I remember yes. when, when they said, when Robbie Brenner, the producer said, what about Phyllis Nodge? And I thought she has impeccable taste. Yes. <laughs> it is. And, you know, because I'm sure people want to judge it for such and other reasons, but it's beautiful. The opening scene with that soundtrack and following Elizabeth's wonderful hairdo. I mean, oh, <laughs> it is. Not can yeah. you tell me about the, the sort of the reasons for the aesthetic and, and what that yeah. is and what that means for you? Thank you. I'm very glad to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Well, we were on quite a limited challenging budget for this film. And one of the first decisions that I made and brought to Robbie 
was to shoot this on film, on specifically on Super 16. Why? Because I knew that we had so little money. Film is very forgiving yes. of any mistake. It's very forgiving to particularly production design and costume things that you might want to hide. My face. And, yeah, <laughs> everyone's face is very forgiving. But also there was a desire for me to connect our periods through film and the grain of that particular choice that that film stock really worked in our favor particularly since i knew we weren't going to glamorize the 60s that it wasn't going to be one of those you know now we're going to make this camp and we're going to use the kinds of colors we never saw in the late 60s right, right. Where rich people have them but normal people did not generally have neon colored this and that yeah. anyway. So that aesthetic was very important to me. Of course, it gave Robbie, um, you know, palpitations because I didn't know this, but she had not shot a, a, a film on film for about 20 years. Yeah. And I further was shooting with a single camera, which is also something that, you know, you don't do when you're shooting digitally. Yeah. I had no video village for people to go in with. <laughs> and uh, so, so that they were white knuckling it back there. But, <laughs> but, but after the first few rounds of dailies, I think they knew. The aesthetic yeah. was so yeah. clear yeah. and the aesthetic was served by working on film. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And thank you for, for, for appreciating that. Oh, completely. And, and it's so good to hear you say it. So just to finish up, I also want to talk about the soundtrack. It was phenomenal. Was it original, some of it? I mean, I know there was a lot of them. Um, uh, was there a mix? No, there's some score by Issa Summers. And mostly it is a soundtrack of 60s music by either very well-known women whose tracks you don't recognize as theirs, or people like Malvina Reynolds, who are great folk singers who... That's the tune, I don't want to ruin it for those who will not have seen it, but in the bathroom, the mm -hmm. scene with joy, that's Genius. a great tune that's about the most on the nose thing in the film. That really works. It but does. Yeah, it, it's just a fabulous soundtrack. I was helped by a brilliant music supervisor in actually compiling the songs. The deep cuts. The deep cuts. From the late 60s. And the, the Velvet Underground, that song is the first time that's been used in a movie, apparently. Sister Ray. And what a great scene, a mother and daughter dancing to it. I mean, yeah. that was just fantastic. I have to go, but yeah. I'm so happy to meet you both. And thank you again for this fantastic thank you, film. Thank you. Bye.